Amen. I tell you, I tell you, I feel the Holy Spirit tonight. The presence of the Lord is here in a special way. So we're going to get into the Word of God tonight and um, pick up where we left off. I wasn't here last Wednesday. Brother Jim filled in for me and ministered. I appreciate that so much. We were we were down we were down camping and um, and just in, and relaxing. And, uh, but I'm glad to be here tonight. Praise God. I'm glad to be in the house of the Lord. And we're going to pick up uh, here in James. We're in James chapter 4 and, and uh, for two weeks prior. If you remember, three weeks ago we were in the dark. You remember that? The lights were out. And uh, we gave a little, little study, kind of introduced this, um, this fourth chapter of James. And then last Sunday, or I'm sorry, Wednesday before last, um, we got into it a little more. Talking about prayer, James was dealing here with victorious prayer and dealing with the subject of, of prayer. And uh, so we want to pick up on that tonight and try to, try to wipe this, this part, this particular part out and uh, finish it up tonight. Um, in, in dealing with this, um, James, in James chapter 4, if you re- remember, in verse number, number 2, James made the statement, the Holy Spirit through James made the statement concerning prayer and said that you do not have, why? Because you do not ask. So in other words, he said, if you want, to get an answer to prayer, you're going to have to ask the Lord for what you want and what you need in your life. I believe that God is concerned about everything that touches your life, that touches my life. We are His children, and He is concerned about us. And so He wants us to come to Him in prayer, and if when we have needs and... Uh, when we face situations in our life that we need that we need God to move in, He wants us to pray. He told us in Philippians four and six, He said, uh, "Do not worry about anything. Don't be uh, fretful about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God." So, um, you know, one translation says it this way. Don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. So make your worry list your prayer list, and then stop worrying, all right? So uh, praise God. But uh, God's concerned about you, and He's concerned about your, your needs. And Jesus said in a number of places, especially He, he, he mentioned this, or He said this in John 16, 24, Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. He said in Matthew 7, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For everyone that asks receiveth. And him that seeketh findeth. And to to him that knocketh it shall be opened. So Jesus in several places and on various places, at various times, said and admonishes us to ask and to receive. And then James said, well, you do not have because you do not ask. So we, we determined then that, that there is 
a problem. There is a problem in individual Christian lives and within the church, the problem of unoffered prayer. We talked about that. Not praying, not asking, not taking our needs to the Lord. And uh, we, we made the statement, if you remember, and we said that, that failures, that probably all of our failures in life as a Christian can be traced to a failure in prayer. Because we failed to pray. We failed to seek the Lord. And, um, you know, there, there's nothing that prayer cannot do. E.M. Bounds said that prayer can do anything that God can do, and God can do anything. Because prayer taps into the omnipotent power of Almighty God. So we don't want to get into that place where we are are not praying or not asking into the presumption of unanswered prayer because we have not because we ask not. But then we dealt with week before last the next part of, of this particular passage here in James 4 in verse number 3. Verse 2 he says, you, you do not have because you do not ask. And then in verse 3 he said, you ask and do not receive. Well, what's up? Huh? You know, what's up? Here, here, okay, all right. You, 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 Lord, you, you tell us that, that we, we do not have because we do not ask. So then we're going to ask. And then we ask and we do not receive. Well, what's up with that? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to ask? Or are we not supposed to ask? Has anybody, has anybody in, this, in this service tonight ever asked and not received? I think that should be 100% probably. I mean, if you're here uh, tonight and you've, you've received answers to every prayer that you've ever prayed... Um, you know, and received everything you've ever asked for in prayer, well, you know, you're an exception, I would say, because I think most everybody has experienced prayers that we've prayed that we have not received an answer to those particular prayers. And, and, and you know, we made the statement that, um, that there are numerous reasons for unanswered prayer. And so I'm not dealing with, and we're not dealing with, that's a, that's a whole other message, or actually a series of messages um, that deals with the, the reasons for our prayers not being answered. They are numerous. But here James said, you ask and you do not receive. And he gives one of those reasons, and he said, because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. In other words, James was talking here now about uh, unacceptable prayer. He's talked about unoffered prayer, but then there's prayers that are offered that are unacceptable. And um, the unacceptable prayers, and, and, and you know, here's the thing. It doesn't matter how long we pray or how loud we pray or how fervently we pray. If prayer is prayed, if the prayers that we're praying are prayed with the wrong motives. So God looks at our heart and looks at the motives for what we are asking for and why we are asking for what we are asking for and praying for. And so that we have to make sure that our motives are right and some pray with selfish motives. And then we talked about verse, we, we ministered on verse number four um, where, where he called this uh, 
these people he was writing to, which were Christians, which were believers, and he referred to them in verse number 4 as adulterers and adulteresses and talked about spiritual adultery, about these people. Here was one of the reasons that their prayers were unacceptable to the Lord. They were praying and they weren't receiving because he, he, he said they were having an, a relationship, an adulterous relationship with the world, spiritual adultery. They were, they were married to Christ, but they were trying to carry on a relationship with the world, the world system at the same time. And what does James say about that in verse number 4? He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity against God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world, and this is, listen, this is powerful right here. Whoever wants to be a friend with the world makes himself an enemy of God. Well, I don't want, to, I don't want God to be my enemy. I want him to be on my side. I don't want him resisting me. I want him helping me. Can I get an amen? I think we would all agree with that. But, but there were some here that James was dealing with that were committing spiritual adultery, and he deals with that in that uh, particular verse, in verse number 4, that that was one of the reasons why their prayers were unacceptable to God. Our relationship, and he's dealing there with our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And we talked about this week before last, how that as the church, we are the bride of Christ. We have been betrothed to the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and we belong to him and him only. And Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, dealt with this very same issue. And he said, I'm jealous for you. Uh, with godly jealousy because I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And so that was a problem in the church at Corinth. They had been saved and were betrothed to the Lord Jesus Christ. They were the bride of Christ, but yet they were some that were carrying on a, an illicit relationship with the things of the world. And I know, you know, this is, this, is, this is not the popular message today, but ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to tell you, you know, and I'm preaching to the choir tonight, I know that. But we have to understand that God has called us out of the world and we have been betrothed to the Lord Jesus Christ and that we cannot have relationship with Jesus and relationship with the world at the same time. It just doesn't work. And so that was, and there's a lot of people that are trying to do that today. They want, they want, they want the, th the blessings that God offers and has and gives in the Word of God. They want eternal life. They want to go to heaven when they die. They want to make the rapture of the church. They want God to be there when they, when they have a need in their life to answer their prayer or to bless their life, you know. But then on the other, right on the other hand, 
they, they, still, they still want the things of the world as well. They want to participate in things that are uh, not pleasing to God. They want to carry on a relationship with Jesus part of the week and the world the other part of the week. And I know it's old-fashioned preaching, but, but folks, that just ain't going to cut the mustard. Come on, somebody. And it's not going to get it. Amen. That's not going to get it. And, and so that's what James was dealing with here with these individuals. He was saying them, you ask and you receive not. Number one, because you consume it, you're asking a miss to consume it upon your lust. You just want more and more stuff just to fulfill your pleasure. You, you're, ha- you're, having, you're, you're becoming friends with the world, and, 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 and uh, your, your relationship with Jesus is not what it should be. And so we've got to correct those issues and correct those things in our life. And so, so here we are talking about prayer. And uh, James talking about prayer. So we number one, we want to ask. We God wants us to ask, but He wants our motives to be right, and He wants our lives to be right. Amen. He's more. Listen, God's more concerned about your heart and your life than He is, you know, giving you stuff. And He wants to bless you with things. And He wants to bless you and meet your needs. But He's concerned about your life and how you and I live. And I'm going to tell you, the Bible says in Psalm 84, I believe it's 8411, that God will, that the Lord will withhold no good thing from them who walk uprightly before Him. So if we walk uprightly before Him, He's going to answer our prayer. So, Let's go here then to verse number number uh, five. Okay, verse number five. Now tonight we want to we want to talk this this last point that we want to make um, is we've talked about unoffered prayer. We've talked about unacceptable prayer. Well, let's talk about some of the principles of undeniable prayer because there is a prayer that God will not deny, and James deals with that here in the remainder. Of, um, of these verses down through verse number 10. So in verse number 5, he says, Or do you think, let me, let, let, me, let me read verse 4 again. Adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that the friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy with God. Or do you think that the Scripture says in vain... The spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy. Now, there's a, there's a, there's a verse right there. I'm, I imagine you're sitting there saying, what in the world does that mean? But here's one of the principles of undeniable prayer, and you see it here in this verse. And let me read that verse number 5 again, and then I'm going to give you a, a paraphrase and read it in another translation. I'm going to show you what, by the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to get what this verse means. Actually, I preached a message one time a, a, a few years back from this verse. But he says, Do you think that the Scripture says in vain, the Spirit, which is the Holy Spirit, who dwells in us, yearns jealousy. What do you suppose he means? Let me give you a paraphrase of this verse. What he's saying is this. The Holy Spirit, which he has made to dwell in us, jealously yearns for the entire devotion of your heart. Oh, hallelujah. That's what he's saying. 
that the Holy Spirit, and if you're born again tonight, and I'm assuming everybody here is, if you're saved tonight, you have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. You belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. You're indwelt by Him, by His Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, which God has made to dwell in us, what James is saying, is, is jealously yearns for the entire devotion of the heart. And that is what he is jealous over. That's what he's yearning for. The Spirit of God in you wants you, wants me, to be completely and totally devoted and dedicated and our, our entire being given to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is one, this is sensitivity to the Spirit of God in our life. And this is one of the one of the key factors in having an undeniable praying an undeniable prayer is that our life is yielded to the Holy Spirit and that we are totally and completely devoted to the Lord Jesus Christ in every area of our life can I get an amen tonight let me read this verse, number five, to you from the Kenneth Weiss uh, translation. Now, Kenneth Weiss um, was, a, was a, a Greek scholar, and uh, I, I uh, have his set of books, have had for many, many years, of uh, his word studies in the, in the New Testament, Greek New Testament. And uh, he has an expanded translation, one of um, the volumes of that, of, that, um, of that set of books. And here's the way Kenneth Wiest translates James 4 and 5. And I love this. He says it this way. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, who has been caused to make His permanent home in us, has a passionate desire to control us to the point of envy of any control indwelling sin may have over us. In other words, the Holy Spirit is envious of any, any, any control that we would allow indwelling sin or the sinful nature to have over us or in our life. Let me say it to you this way. The Holy Spirit wants all of you completely and totally. That is sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, which is a key factor in undeniable prayer. Amen. Goes right along with what we had talked about and what James had talked about with loving the world, you know, and not loving the world and not committing spiritual adultery. He's saying the same thing here, and the Holy Spirit is saying here, give your entire devotion to the Lord Jesus Christ. This is, you know, sometimes as pastors, and when we preach along these lines, uh, we feel like many times that we're that we're beating our head against the wall. You know, um, is anybody is anybody hearing this? Is anybody listening to this? Is anybody really? Are people really truly consecrating themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, we we need to be doing that, ladies and gentlemen, especially in this day, the day and hour in which we're living today. 
And, uh, you know, even if we're not concerned about, uh, about that being a factor of, our, of an undeniable pr- uh, prayer that we offer or a factor in our prayer life, which it is, we should be doing that just because we love Jesus and we want him to have all of us and we're wanting to go to be with him and we're ready for the rapture. We're coming. We want the coming of the Lord to come and we want to make the coming of the Lord. Can I get, a, can I get an amen tonight? Am, are you with me? Now, the Bible does teach that God, this, see, this was the subject, this was the thing that drove Oprah out of the church. She, she admits that. When, that, when, 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 when uh, she was raised a good Baptist girl, but when they taught that God, was she read or the, she heard it preached that God was a jealous God, she said, I couldn't conceive a God that would be jealous. Well, the Bible says, God himself says, I am a jealous God. In other words, he don't want to share you with nobody else. He wants you all to himself. And when it says that God is a jealous God, he's not talking about a sinful jealousy or a bad jealousy. What he's saying is that God does, he wants first place in your life. God just doesn't, listen, ladies and gentlemen, God just doesn't want a place in your life. He wants the preeminent place in your life. He wants the first place in your life. And we've said it before and you've heard it before and the cliche says that Jesus must be Lord of all or he is not Lord at all. And that is the facts and that is what the Holy Spirit through James is saying here that if we want to if we want to have a prayer life that is not amiss but that that and prayers that are that are going to get answers and prayers that are going to get through to God and for our life to be pleasing to the Lord, then we must realize that the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost in us, desires to control us completely and totally and for no part of the flesh or our self-will or the sin nature to have any control in our lives at all. Hallelujah. And none of us are there quite yet. But praise God, that is what the sanctification process is all about. Amen. He is sanctifying us and setting us apart. And every single day, I want my life to be consecrated to the Lord Jesus and him to have more of me today than he had yesterday. I want to commit myself completely and totally and 100% to Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. That's his desire for your life. So there must be that sensitivity to the Spirit if we're going to have an undeniable and a victorious, pray undeniable prayers and have a victorious prayer life. But the second thing that James deals with here, notice this in verse number 6. He says, but he gives more grace. Well, thank God for that. I need more grace every day. Amen. What is grace? People say, well, you know, grace is, is the, uh, the unmerited favor of God. And, and that is true. That is a definition of grace. Grace is not earned. It's something that is not earned. It's not, it, it, it's, it's just, it's not given because you've done something to merit it. But grace is given freely. And the grace of God is given to us 
on the basis of one thing only, and that is our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and in His finished work, what He did at Calvary. That's the only thing that will cause, that will, that will cause the grace of God to operate in your life. So grace is God's goodness, God's goodness that is, that is freely given undeserved, to undeserving fallen humanity, fallen mankind. It's God's goodness, God's ability, God's help that he gives to us his grace simply because we believe in his son Jesus. Oh, that's shouting ground right there. Amen? Well, I need his grace every day. And I'm glad to know that he gives more grace. He gives more grace. Therefore, verse 6, therefore he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. He resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now look at the first sentence in verse 7. You know, we, we, Christians know this verse. Verse 7, James 4, 7, a lot of Christians know this verse, but they only quote the second part of it. The second part of verse 7 says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Everybody knows that verse and everybody quotes that verse. I want to draw your attention to what comes before that. He says, He gives grace to the humble, verse 6, Therefore, because he gives grace to the humble... Therefore, submit to God. Submit to God. Here's another key that, that the Holy Spirit's giving us here. Submission to God is a key to undeniable prayer and a victorious prayer life. Oh, hallelujah. You thought I was going to preach on... On naming and claiming it, didn't you? <laughs> no, here's the key. Submit, therefore submit to God. Here is such an important factor, ladies and gentlemen, that, that you and I will get that we will submit ourselves, humble ourselves, yield ourselves, give ourselves to God. God the Father, to be submitted to God. Prayer and submission to God is so important in our prayer life because a lot of people think that prayer is going into the throne of grace and going before the Lord and getting, making God do what you want Him to do. But prayer is not bending God's will to fit your will. I think I need to say that again. Prayer is not bending God's will to fit your will. You agree with that? But prayer is finding God's will and getting in on God's will for your life. Amen. That's what, that's what prayer is all about. You know, when you, when you study the Word of God, Jesus, Jesus taught us to pray in the, in the model prayer, uh, in the Lord's Prayer, which is actually the disciples' prayer. He taught us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. 
And, uh, you know, that's, that's the way we're, we're supposed to pray, is to find the will of God and to pray the will of God. And, you know, I don't have time to go all into it tonight, but, but where, where do you find the will of God? You, you find it in the Word of God. His Word is His will. And we'll find the things that the Lord has said in His Word that, uh, that, that, that is according to His will. And then you can, go, you can go to the Lord in prayer. If you've submitted to Him, you've submitted to His will, you've, you've sought the Scriptures, you know what the will of God is for your life, you can go in faith in, in, uh, in before the throne of God knowing that you're praying in line with the will of God. Prayer's not trying to talk God in to doing something that He doesn't want to do. Prayer is finding out what does God want to do and lining your will up with His will and praying His will. That's an undeniable prayer that will be answered every time. Come on, amen. See, you see, man, you know where man got in trouble? There in the Garden of Eden, we got in trouble. Adam got us in a mess when Adam said, not thy will, but my will be done. That was basically what Adam did. I not, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I know what God said, but I want to do this because I want to do it. And he said, I want my will to be done. But thank God the second Adam, the last Adam, the second man Adam, the the Lord Jesus, he reversed that in the Garden of Gethsemane when he prayed to the Father and he gave us the perfect example of submission and prayer when he said, Father, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me, but nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done in my life. Hallelujah, amen. Woo, hallelujah. And that's, that's he, Jesus is our example. In John, 1 John chapter 5, um, verses, verses 14 and 15. And I'm going to turn over there and read that. I could probably quote it because it's some of my favorite verses. But I want to read that to you in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. Verse 14. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in Him. How many want confidence in, in prayer, in your prayer life? This is the confidence that we have in Him, and here it is, that if we ask anything, now a lot of people want to stop right there. If we ask anything, He hears us, but we, we got to read the whole verse, okay? That if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us. That's why we must be submitted to God and know that we're asking according to His will. I always use this for an example because I think it's a, a, a perfect example. When you're praying for family, loved ones, lost people, unsaved, you, can, you never have to pray. You never have to pray for an unsaved person. Lord, save that person if it be your will. Because we already know from the Word of God that Jesus died 
died for all, and the Bible said that he's not willing, God is not willing that any perish, but that all come to repentance. It's a sad thing. All are not going to come to repentance, but it still is the will of God for everyone to be saved. So when you're praying for that son or that daughter, that family member to come to know the Lord and to be saved, you don't have to pray if it be your will. You can pray and claim the promise of God and know that you're praying. When you're praying for a soul to come to Jesus, you are praying according to his will and he hears that prayer. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. He hears that prayer. But then notice verse 15 of, that, of this chapter, 1 John 5, 15. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, and we know if we've asked according to his will that he hears us, according to the previous verse, then we know that we what? That we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That tells me, you know what that verse says? That every prayer that you pray in submission to God and to the will of God and according to the will of God, that you will receive an answer to that prayer. Now, you've got to believe that. You've got to have that confidence. That's what, that's what John is saying there. This is the confidence that we have because we know that if we pray according to his will, he hears us, and if we know that he hears us, we know that we have those petitions that we have desired from him that are to make you shout tonight. That's undeniable prayer. I said that's undeniable prayer. That's prayer that's submitted to God, to the will of God and prayed in the will of God and God will not deny that prayer. Come on, somebody. Amen. See, prayer, listen, ladies and gentlemen, prayer is not for rebels. Prayer is not for the disobedient. Prayer is not for the self-willed that want their own way. Prayer is for the humble, James said. Prayer is for the submissive. He gives more grace to those that humble themselves under his mighty hand and seek his will and pray according to his will. He will answer prayer. Amen. So prayer that's undeniable has a sensitivity to the Spirit. Prayer that's undeniable has a submission to the Father. And prayer that's undeniable, number three, will stand against the devil. Now the second part of verse 7. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Well, Brother Ricky, I've resisted the devil and he hadn't fleed. I rebuked him and he didn't buke. Have we done the first part of that verse first? Submit yourself, therefore, to God. Because let me tell you something. Let me give give you a little secret here. The very act of of humbling yourself before the Lord and submitting yourself to God is resisting the devil. When you... you, (laughs) Oh, you you see, you didn't get it. When you submit to God and yield to God and to His will for your life, you have, by that very act, resisted the devil, and he's got to flee. You know, see, see, see. Here's the thing: you, you take somebody that's sitting in a church service that's unsaved, and the 
the Holy Spirit is convicting them and dealing with them. And every one of us, I don't know how many here maybe got saved in a church service, maybe got saved at home or whatever, um, but I, I got saved in a church service. But, but I knew before I went that day, that morning, I knew, I knew that I was I knew I was going to get saved because I knew I couldn't sit there and listen to that and get under conviction and resist that conviction, you know. That's one reason I, I stayed away from church for so long because I was under conviction. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't like that conviction. But, but when, you, when that sinner's sitting there in that church service and the Holy Spirit's dealing with them and convicting them, when they make that decision, oh, see, and the devil, there's a battle, there's a struggle going on in the heart of that, of that unsaved person. Satan is trying to keep them from, from yielding to the Holy Spirit and, and, and coming forward in that altar call. But when that person makes up their mind and takes that first step, I mean, when I took that... When I took that first step out in the aisle, the next thing I knew, I was at the altar weeping my way through to salvation. Amen. Why? Because my very act of submitting to God, yielding to the Holy Spirit, instantly resisted the devil and he had to flee. Hey, wasn't no devil in hell could keep me out of that altar then once. In my heart, I submitted to the Lord. That's how important that is. Praise God. And it works the same way. It's the same way then after we get saved in our walk with the Lord. It's the same way we must be submitted to God in our prayer life, in our, in our daily walk with God. We must be submitted to the Lord. Amen? Then we're resisting the devil. We're standing against the devil. Resist him and he will flee from you. See, prayer is a warfare. And God has given us His church, His believers. He's given us, He's given us authority through the Lord Jesus Christ. He has given us authority over the devil. Now you, as a believer covered by the blood of Jesus, have authority over the powers of darkness. You do. Jesus said it in, in Luke ten nineteen. I referenced it uh, earlier in the service when those 70 came back and they were rejoicing and they said, you know, we're, we're so happy because even the demons were subject to us in your name. They were casting demons out and people were being set free. They were using the name of Jesus and they said the demons are subject to us through your name. And, and Jesus said, you know, Jesus said to them, he said, Behold, I give to you authority, power, authority over all the power of the enemy. He said, you'll tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall be any means, nothing shall be any means harm you, hurt you. 
So there was authority. Well, was it just given to the 70? Was it just given to the 12? No, it's given to the body of Christ, to the church of the Lord Jesus Christ through the death and burial and resurrection and exaltation of the Lord Jesus Christ, seated at the right hand of God. You are the body of Christ. And Jesus said after his resurrection, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then he said, you go in my name and you cast out devils and you will speak with new tongues and you lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. He was delegating authority to the church through his name. Praise God. And we as the church must stand up and we must use that authority in, 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 in our prayer lives and especially in the day which we are living in today. We, Brother Dave said our nation needs prayer. There is a there are, there are principalities, powers. Let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, this problem in America today is our battle is not with flesh and blood. It's not with one another. It's not between black and white. Come on, somebody. This warfare and this battle is with the powers of darkness, principalities and powers, and the rulers of the darkness and wicked spirits in heavenly places. We as the church must rise up and take our stand and put on the whole armor of God and resist the devil and pray against the powers of darkness and drive them back in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. We're not to be praying these now I lay me down to sleep prayers. Amen. We've graduated from that. I hope. That prayer was okay, you know. God is great. God is good. Let us thank Him for our food. That's, that's okay for your grandkids, but we've graduated that. Prayer is a warfare, and God has given us prayer armor in Ephesians chapter 6, and that warfare is with spiritual wickedness and the powers of darkness. And when he lists that, that armor in Ephesians chapter 6, and he said, take the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, and having done all to stand, stand, having your loins girt about with truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the breastplate of righteousness, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, and he said, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one. And then in verse 18, he said, and here's another, here's another part of that armor that we miss in Ephesians 6, 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. See, it's a prayer warfare and we've got to go into our war rooms and we've got to make intercession and we've got to do spiritual warfare in the name of Jesus against the powers of darkness. Hallelujah. If we're going to see victory in our churches, in our families, in our nation, we must stand against the powers of darkness in prayer. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. 
The conflict is with the devil and his cohorts, and the war is won through the prayers of the saints. Let me tell you something tonight, Abundant Life. The devil mocks our programs and he laughs at our organization and he sneers at our buildings. But the devil fears our prayers. Are you hearing me? Hallelujah. The devil says, go ahead and have church. Go ahead and have your music and your singing. Go ahead and have your preaching. As long as you leave out the power of Almighty God that only comes through earnest, persistent, powerful prayer. We must submit to God tonight, church. We must put on the whole armor of God. We must rise up in the name of the Lord Jesus and say, devil, I defy you. I resist you. I rebuke you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't have my nation. You can't have my family. This means war. Hallelujah. We gotta rise up in the name of the Lord Jesus. Well, praise God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Praise God. Praise God. Oh, stand against the devil. Then there must be a separation from the world, and this links back to what he said earlier. Draw near to God, verse number 8. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Again, he's writing to Christians. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, purify your heart, you double-minded. What's he saying? He's saying that in our prayer life, we can't come to God with dirty hands. We've been, the, the TV's been telling us, the news has been telling us for three months, keep washing your hands. <laughs> well, God, God's been telling us for 2,000 years, keep washing your spiritual hands, keep your spiritual hands clean. Amen? The hands represent your activity, your, what you're doing. You've got to keep your life clean. You've got to keep your, 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 yourself clean before the Lord. Your deeds must be clean before the Lord. So, so our prayer and our prayer life, we can't come to God with dirty hands. And then he said, purify your hearts. So we can't come to God with divided hearts. And he said, called them double-minded, so we, we can't come to God with double minds. What's God saying there? He says we can't come to God and be effective in prayer to God if we're facing both ways at the same time. Amen? We can't be facing both ways at the same time, you know. Double-minded, in and out, back and forth, believing and not believing, and in church and out of church, and Praise God. I'm running out of time. I can't. I, 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 that's a good preaching point right there. So, so what the Lord is saying here, there's got to be a separation. So here, you Christians, draw nigh to God. And if you'll draw nigh to God, guess what? He'll draw nigh to you. See, see people come in prayer lines sometime and they'll say, pray for me that I'll get closer to God. I, I really can't do that. Because your closeness to God it's going to depend on you drawing nigh to him. And if you will draw near to him, he said, I'm, I'm there. I'm ready. I'm, I'll just draw nigh to you. I'll get close to you. But, it's, but it, the ball's in our court. We have to be the one that draws nigh to the Lord. Are, are, you, are you following what I'm saying tonight? So what he's saying there is, listen, 
if there's some unrepented of sin, if there's some sin that we have that's, that's in our heart that we've not repented of in our life, if there's some habit that, that, that's, that's binding us up that, that needs to be broken, that needs to be, you know, gotten out of our life, if there's some attitude or some grudge or if there's some resentment or some unforgiveness, there's all kinds of issues and things that can be bottled up inside of a Christian. And that's why we have to seek the Lord and, and, and have Him to examine us and do introspection and self-examination to make sure none of those things are there. And that's why Jesus taught us in that model prayer when we pray, one of the areas we're to pray, He said, is that we're to pray, forgive us of our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. So it's keeping, it's keeping a, a, a short account with God, as somebody said. It's, it's, it's making sure that, you know, if we miss it, if we mess up, that we're quick to repent and we're quick to get forgiven, that we're not trying to live a life for Jesus with dirty hands. And we're not trying to live with a divided heart and we're not trying to live with a double mind you know on the things of the world and on the things of God at the same time so he's calling them to repentance and he's saying get rid of these things and cleanse your hands and purify your heart and get rid of that double mindedness it's kind of like David said you know in Psalm 66 18 David said if I regard iniquity in my heart the Lord will not hear me does God hear every prayer no he doesn't he said that he won't hear us if we cherish, if we love, if we regard some kind of, you know, he's talking about if I've got some kind of a pet sin that I know that's there, but I just like it too much, and I really know that I shouldn't be doing it, but I just can't give it up. I just don't want to get He said if you cherish that sin in your heart, the Lord's not going to hear your prayer. What's he saying? Cleanse your hands. Purify your hearts. Get over that double minded. Don't try to fail both ways at the same time get on board with Jesus and live for him and draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you oh praise God I don't believe ladies and gentlemen I believe that God I'm just, I, I believe I'm speaking for the Lord here tonight I feel the Holy Spirit but I believe that the Lord is fed up to here with half-hearted religion, half-hearted Christianity, and half-hearted commitments to Him. Are you listening? He's up to here with half-hearted praying. He even said in Jeremiah 29, 13, that if you will seek me, you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. He wants all of us. Come on. Praise God. There's got to be that separation from the world. And I'm closing. I'm closing. But there's got to be number five. Talking about undeniable prayer. Praying undeniable prayer. Number five is. Let me give them to you real quickly. Number one, sensitivity to the Spirit. Number two, submission to the Father. Three, stand against the devil. Four, separation from the world. And number five, seriousness toward the purpose. Look at verse 9. See, we don't hear this verse. We, don't, we, just, we just skip over verse 9. Lament and mourn and weep. 
Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. I don't see how we cannot practice that verse when we see what's going on in our nation today. How can we go on just partying and living it up and having a big time when our nation and the fabric and the core of this great nation, the United States of America, is being destroyed every day we see it on our television? It's being ripped to shreds. Everything that I was taught in school, everything that I was taught about this this great land of ours, everything that I enjoyed as a boy, as a child growing up in this land and thinking back on my childhood. We weren't rich and we didn't have a lot of stuff. We lived in South Cape Girada. That ought to tell you something. Amen. And uh, Well, not you, but uh, anyway. but, But we didn't have the nicest thing. But I can think back of the good times we had and we didn't we didn't have all this mess that's going on today. When we see what's happening to our nation, we're losing our freedoms. We're losing it, church. And here's the thing. There's no seriousness among the saints of God. He said it's time to lament. He's still talking about getting our place, getting ourselves right to pray. It's time to mourn. It's time to seek God. It's time to, to, to shed some tears and to weep in prayer. Are you listening to me? Not being flippant or giddy or half-hearted. Not, 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 not that. But we need to see the urgency and the seriousness of the need of the hour and take it to God in prayer. We need some prayer warriors today who will weep before the Lord. We need some prayer warriors that will be as Hezekiah when he turned his face to the wall and he prayed and he wept and God said to him, does that prayer, I've heard preachers mock that and say, oh, you're shedding those old tears, don't mean nothing. But God answered Hezekiah and said, you t- told Isaiah, said, you go tell that uh, Hezekiah, I have heard your prayer and I have saw your tears. He sees those tears of repentance. He sees those tears of sincerity as we pray and weep over our nation. Hallelujah. We have we have plenty of organizers today but what we need is not more organizers we need some agonizers that will get before God and will seek the face of the Lord and intercede hallelujah in these last days that will shed some tears over the loss God forgive us for our weak prayers and our easy prayers and our lazy prayers our take it and leave it prayers our dead prayers God, forgive us. It's still a broken and contrite heart that God is looking for. And he said, that broken and that contrite heart you will not despise, O God. That was a part of David's prayer of repentance in Psalm 51. He said, I know you will not despise a broken heart. Will the church come to that place where James said lament and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom I had that spirit hit me Tuesday yesterday at prayer meeting we had a, we had a powerful presence of the Lord prayer meeting yesterday and just I usually sometimes I kneel here but usually I'll walk that 
aisle over there by the wall, just get off to myself. But just begin to, the tears begin to flow. There was a sorrowfulness in the Holy Spirit that came on me. Because I, I think the Holy Spirit is trying to let us know if something don't happen, we're not, we're not going to see a good outcome here in what's going on in America. God, listen, listen. I don't people just fluff it off and say, oh, Brother Rick, it's going to be okay. Don't get too worked up. We better, we better get serious. Jesus is coming and the devil's having a field day. Lord willing, we'll talk about it Sunday. But the, the other nations are, are mocking us. Jesus himself said that a house or a nation that is divided against itself will fall. It will not stand. It will not stand. So when you see this division, this fighting, and everything that's going on, the author of that is who? It's Satan. Boy, there's so much I could say right now, but it's time to go. <sighs> Lament, mourn, weep. Let your joy, your laughter be turned into sorrow, your joy into mourning. Does that mean the Lord doesn't want you to be joyful? No, that's not what He's saying. But he's saying that you need to be serious in prayer and burdened in prayer. When's the last time that we wept over lost souls? When's the last time we, we agonized and groaned in the Spirit over those lost people? God, help us tonight to be the church He wants us to be. Amen? Praise God. Let's let's stand tonight. Our worship team's coming, and I, I I feel that I would be amiss this evening if we didn't conclude this service with the time in the altar. Would you agree with that? I'm going to call call us into the altar tonight for a time of prayer, time of seeking the Lord. Amen. You can. Come around the altar would be good and kneel if you would like to do that or find a place, you know, you can kneel at your seat or if you can't kneel, you can sit on one of these front seats. But let's spend some time praying. And I, I want to give, give you a prayer request tonight. Let's pray for America. Let's pray for an end of this, of this confusion, of this tyranny of this anarchy, of this lawlessness, that God would lift up a standard against the enemy today. Let's pray for lost souls. Let's pray for sinners to come to know Jesus. Let's pray for our loved ones and our families tonight to come in to the ark of safety before it's too late. And let's seek the Lord 